Our passage today is Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. I'll read them together and then we'll pray. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather before you today to sit under the preaching of your word and the proclamation of the gospel, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us as his church. And we ask that you would give us hearts to trust you and to follow you wherever it is that you're leading us in our lives. God, we come into this place with different stories, different experiences, going through different things at home and at work. But the one thing we all have in common today, Lord, is that we need Jesus. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would meet us today, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would show us who you are and help us to walk in and experience the peace that only you can give us. And so, God, we submit our attention to you, our hearts, our ears, all that we are, and we ask that you would have your way in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our passage today answers the question, where can I find peace in the face of uncertainty? In a world full of fears and conflict, distractions, temptations to lose heart, how can we know peace? We're all asking the question, am I going to be okay? And the older we get, this question takes different forms. When you're younger, maybe you're asking these questions and you're thinking in terms of your career, financial security, what you need to do to accomplish security in your work, what ladders you need to climb, what you need to accomplish to feel safe and secure, or what kind of relationship you need, that certain someone, or having a family, or what circle of friends you want to be surrounded by. Later in life, as advancement in our careers isn't as fast anymore, we're just kind of set where we're going to be for a long time, and maybe our financial future is a little less optimistic than we hoped it would be by now, and our relationships aren't exactly the way we imagined they would be. It forces us to ask the question, am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? These are very human questions. None of us want to live with anxiety. We all want to feel secure. Yet as we look at the world around us today, we see threats everywhere. Financial and economic uncertainty in our country, social tensions, nations on the brink of world war, and media doesn't help with an algorithm that knows how to play on our fears for clicks. We often find ourselves wondering what Israel wondered. How can I know peace? Well, Isaiah was a prophet in Israel about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. 
Israel was experiencing a time of great uncertainty in their history. They were under tremendous threat socially, economically, and on the verge of full-scale occupation by their enemies. There was a sense of uncertainty about their future. And the word of the Lord comes through Isaiah to calm their fears and remind them of where their peace is found. This passage was a part of a song that was to be sung in Israel as a reminder of God's faithfulness that would stir up particular hopes and longings, not just for Israel, but for God's people throughout history. The longing for security, the longing for peace. The word shalom is translated here as peace. When we think of peace, we often limit that definition to the absence of conflict, but it means much more than that. The word shalom, it speaks of being whole or complete. It was an overall sense of well-being. And Isaiah says that the sense of well-being that we all long for is possible. And it all hinges on the word trust. Perfect peace is found by the man or woman who entrusts themselves fully to God. Now, let me just start off by saying this morning that trusting God is not always easy. Can I get an amen? amen. Trusting God is difficult for many people for many different reasons. Trust wasn't easy for Israel at this time. God was preparing the people for exile. There was tumultuous times ahead for them. And Isaiah has been pleading with them to turn to the Lord, to trust in him, to take their fears to him and trust him with everything they were experiencing. And I think it's important for us as we think about this call to trust in the Lord that this call to trust God, it doesn't come to us on a blank slate. We all come to God with past experiences of ways that we've trusted in the past and been hurt deeply. We've experienced betrayal and hurt through childhood trauma, through family conflict. We carry church wounds, betrayal from friendships or at work. And these experiences can cause us to build walls around our hearts that make intimacy and trust difficult for us. Our experiences can condition us with a fear of being vulnerable or feeling exposed. Trust is hard for some people because they lack emotional, healthy connections in their life. And so they come to God with just this general skepticism or mistrust of others. Some of us struggle to trust because of cultural or societal influences that taught us not to trust authority figures in our life and to be weary of their motives. But whatever we've been shaped by, these past hurts, they don't just get erased when we start to follow Jesus. And scripture invites us to take all of these fears to God to come to him with what we're feeling, to name those fears, 
by naming those fears and giving them over to God over time, they begin to lose power over us. Listen, God can handle your honest, raw, unfiltered emotions. Just read the Psalms. People are just venting to the Lord. We see their anger. We see their disappointment. We see their pain and their struggle. But often we withhold these things from God because we don't have a category in our mind for trusting God, but also coming to him with our fears of trusting him. But the only path to trust and intimacy with God is acknowledging those fears and bringing them to God for healing. And if we're not honest about our fears and our pain, we'll only trust God with the portions of our life that feel safe to share with him. And we'll always be holding something back. And we'll miss out on experiencing the depth of his peace. Trusting God isn't always easy. It's important to acknowledge that point up front. Isaiah says that giving our trust is the key to experiencing God's peace. And then he reminds us why he can be trusted. How do we know that we can trust God? Isaiah points us to two things. First, we can trust God because of his character. In verse 4, Isaiah says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah says that God can be trusted forever. He's an everlasting rock. It's a beautiful metaphor for God. A rock is a solid and unshakable foundation. A rock is a symbol and source of shelter that provides safety from enemies. A rock is a symbol of strength and resilience that can withstand the forces of nature and the passage of time. And it remains steadfast and unyielding, even in the face of great adversity. When I was a kid, my dad used to take me out to Yucca Valley to go dirt bike riding on this huge dry lake. And the spot that we used to go to was called Giant Rock because there was a giant rock there. It was huge. It was the size of a building. In fact, in the 1970s, <clears throat> they actually built a coffee shop underneath the overhang of this rock. That's how big this rock was. <clears throat> it had been a long time since I'd been out there. And a few years ago, I drove out there 35 years later. And guess what? It's still there, unchanged, generation after generation. Isaiah says that God is like a rock, steady, immovable, unchanging. Consider just how much you've changed over the past 10 or 20 years, but God never changes. Psalm 94 verse 22 says, the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's trustworthiness can be relied on because he doesn't change. The same God who provided miraculously for his people in the wilderness is the God that we worship today. The same God who set his people free from slavery and delivered many of you from addictions in your life is the same God that we worship today. 
The same God who was moved with compassion and cleansed lepers and brought them into family. He is the same God. And we can trust his character. Secondly, Isaiah says we can trust God because of his heart. The title that, God, that Isaiah uses here is Lord God, and it's the Hebrew name Yahweh. And this is the name that God gave Moses when he asked God, who shall I say who it was who has spoken to me? God says, tell them that I am has sent you, Yahweh. And we could do a year's worth of sermons just on the name of God. But for God's people, God's name signified something way deeper than metaphors about what he is like. The name Yahweh signifies his heart. It represented the covenant relationship that God has with his people. Yahweh is the name of God for those he loves. God would say, if you understood how much I love you, you would know how deeply you can trust me. Knowing God's character will only take us so far. It's not until you see his love for you, ultimately in the giving of his own son, in your place, that you'll fully be able to entrust yourself to him. There is no greater display of the heart of God than God sending his son for us. And that's what Advent is all about. If you want to know how God feels about you, look no further than him sending his own son. Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of God's love for you. God in human flesh. The advent of Jesus Christ is the definitive evidence that God's heart for us is full of love. And the shalom that we long for, the peace that we crave, our need to know that we're going to be okay, is only satisfied in Jesus. Jesus came to address our greatest need, that we were separated with God because of our sin. Jesus is ultimately the one who kept his mind, stayed on the Lord perfectly, and experienced perfect peace even through great suffering when he went to the cross for us. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We could never have peace in God without first having peace with God. And that's what Jesus has accomplished for us. Ephesians 2 says that Jesus himself is our peace. God's trustworthiness is proven not only by his character, but by seeing how far he was willing to go to rescue us. God is unchanging. God loves you. And he's not going to change his mind about that. The peace of God isn't something that is achieved or earned or given as a reward. It's a gift of grace that's received by trusting in Jesus. 
And listen, only Jesus can bear the weight of being your peace. Isaiah spoke these words to Israel in a time when many leaders were wavering in their trust of God and looking to other places for a sense of well-being and security. They were making unholy alliances with pagan nations for protection, focusing on self-reliance by hoarding resources and building bigger walls. In the chapters leading up to this passage, Isaiah had been pleading with Israel to trust in the Lord and to turn from their idols. To fully trust in the Lord, we have to acknowledge and surrender all other means by which we derive our sense of worthiness, identity, and control. The Bible calls these idols. The great reformer John Calvin once said that the heart of man is a perpetual factory of idols. Tim Keller says that we make an idol when we take a good thing and we make it an ultimate thing. We can pretty much turn anything into an idol. But God, he wants to free us from holding on too tightly to things that are keeping us from fully trusting him. Things that will only end up breaking our hearts when they fail us. You simply cannot look to people or to anything for the peace that you deeply long for. The consensus among popular culture is to find peace, you have to look within. To work, accomplishments, relationships. Here's the problem with looking to a relationship to find your peace. I know I'm secure because I have this person. No person or group of people can handle the weight of being your peace in that way. It will crush them. If they are your hope, if you derive your sense of well-being and security through them, then any shortcomings in them become a threat to you. Nobody can handle the weight of carrying that for you. It will crush you or it will crush them. Or your work. If you derive your sense of well-being from your work and your accomplishments, accumulating more, trusting in your career, you need more than an advancing career and accomplishments to have peace in your life. If your work is your all, then everything else in your life will be in competition with your work and will become a threat to that. And if your career fails, it will crush you. It will steal from you. Or if your image is your safety net. Listen, the approval of others is so fragile. Or if your looks are your safety net, the thing that you hold on to, for your sense of worthiness. Listen, nothing fades faster. Just live for a little while. Beauty fades. I used to look like Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> we simply cannot find the well-being we deeply long for in people or in something that we construct. We can't find it by looking within. Isaiah tells us that only God can bear the weight of being our peace. So how do we grow in trust? 
Well, first, we have to deal ruthlessly with the things that we allow to consume our minds. Isaiah tells us that it begins in the mind. Perfect peace comes to the man or woman whose mind is stayed on him. The Hebrew word here, mind, is yesir. It speaks of the tendency of the mind, what our minds tend to first. It's the framework by which we view everything else through. God gives us peace as we keep our minds stayed on him. The word stayed means steadfast, undeviating. Listen, there are so many things in life that are fighting for our attention. Maybe it's your bank account, your investments, notifications on your dating apps, the news cycle, politics, just the cares of this world. It's so easy for us to lose sight of the Lord. Even if we know that focusing on these things cannot ultimately give us peace, these things can often loom so large in our minds when we're constantly focusing on them that God just becomes smaller and smaller to us. We have to deal ruthlessly with our distractions. Often in our lives, God feels distant and disconnected from the reality of our life. And it's not that God has moved or changed in any way. It's simply that we are not giving him space to occupy our hearts and minds in the way that he wants to. Our hard drives get just so full of other things. We often leave so little space in our lives for God. And the still small voice of the spirit beckoning us to shalom, to real rest, is drowned out by constant noise. And so we need to question our impulses. What is it that we're tempted to turn to when we can't handle the stillness? Sometimes we turn to things like social media or podcasts or the news. And these things aren't bad, but often we turn to these things out of fear of missing something or just a need for stimulation because we cannot handle sitting with our own thoughts. But peace only comes to us when we give God that space to occupy our hearts and our minds. Our minds will be conformed to whatever we continually give them to. That's why Romans 12 verse 2 says that our minds need to be renewed. A renewed mind is the result of continually and consistently focusing on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's about continually coming back to the source of peace. Spending time in God's word, the story of redemption. Giving ourselves to prayer as an act of dependence. The weekly gathering of the church where we remember through song and sacrament. 
It's being connected to a community of brothers and sisters who provide us support and encouragement and opportunities to serve and to give and to use our gifts and to practice forgiveness and to grow in the gifts of the Spirit. It's to give God's priorities the most airtime in our lives. To let God's voice and God's priorities speak the loudest. Listen, when the opinion of he who matters most matters most to you, you have peace. We need to fill our minds with God's thoughts. Learning to trust God requires eliminating noise and distractions and anything else that mutes his voice in our lives. To grow in trust, we need to give God's voice priority. Secondly, to grow in trust, we need to build our lives on and around Jesus. We grow in trust by building our lives on and around Jesus. Not only reading God's word and listening to God's word, but putting it into practice. Applying the truths of the gospel to all of life. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, or sorry, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Trusting in the Lord looks like submitting our lives to the truths of Scripture. I don't know how the rest of the world goes clothes shopping. But for me, I have to buy everything at once. I don't buy clothes throughout the year. I wait until I basically have nothing left to wear. And then I buy everything at once. Pants, shirts, jackets. And the reason I do that is because they do not make clothes that fit my body type. And so I have to get everything tailored. For the rest of my life, I will never find a pair of pants that fit properly. And trimming and making adjustments is fine when it comes to clothing. But sadly, some people treat the word of God like that. They put on the word and where it doesn't fit or match up with their lifestyle or they find it uncomfortable or they don't like it, they trim the word of God. Some of us treat the word of God like a suit that doesn't fit right. But friends, we do not tailor the word of God to fit our desires and our ideas and our conceptions of what life should look like. We're to be tailored by the word of God. We're called to be adjusted. We're called to be reshaped by God's truth. And there's some pain in that. There's some trimming in that. But that's part of God making us whole. 
to experience God's peace in our life and in our family and in the church is when we come before the word of God and we say, Lord, where our lives don't match up with your word, we are the ones who are going to change. We're the ones who are going to submit. Listen to the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 66, verse 2. He says, all these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I shall look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Shalom is experienced when we humble ourselves before his word. This means reordering our lives on and around Jesus. Listen, following Jesus in your relationships doesn't always feel good. Following Jesus in your sexuality doesn't always feel good. Following Jesus in your finances doesn't always feel good. But this is the way of shalom. This is the way to wholeness and peace. There's a peace that comes when we're trusting God with everything. And let me just tell you that God has a funny way of going really small to really big in our lives when we're trusting him with everything. How often have you made hard decisions in your life to obey scripture? And when you've made those choices, has God ever failed you? You know God has never let you down when you've responded to him in faith. God's peace comes to us when we respond to him in faith and repentance and keep our hearts and minds stayed on him because of who he is, because of what he has done for us. When we trust him with the things in our life that are difficult, our situation at work, things going on with our children, things going on with friendships or just things in the world. It's these difficult things that we're experiencing that need to be surrendered to him. It's, it's those difficult things when we hand them over to God that build our trust in him. It's easy to trust God with things that are not difficult. But can we trust him with everything? There is a peace that God has for us that doesn't come through understanding the why of it all. But by leaning on the who. He is with us. He is for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is faithful. And church, Jesus wants you to know his peace. He wants you to experience his peace. And so church, this Advent season, as we're going into a new year, I want to exhort us to do this together. To trust him. Maybe that means today that you need to start with just honestly praying. Coming to God and acknowledging your fears of trusting him. Acknowledging your pain and your disappointments and the ways that you've been hurt in the past. 
and offering those things to him in prayer. Maybe you need to share those things with your community so that other people can be praying for you. Maybe you need to lay something down today that you've been trusting in for significance and for security and for control other than him. Maybe you just need to be reminded of who God is, that he is our rock, that he is unchanging, and that he loves us. Let Jesus bear the weight of your need for peace today. And so let's come to him in an act of worship and dependence. And I'm going to invite the worship team up and then I'm going to pray. But I want us to remember that worship is an act of trust and surrender. And so let's sing together. And as we're singing together and worshiping and surrendering these things to God, let's give him our trust. There's carpets up here in the front. If you feel led to come and get on your knees and pray, you can do that. We have a prayer ministry in the back corner. I'd encourage you to come and get prayer. God wants to shape us and transform us through our worship this morning. And so let's do this together in faith because God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning experiencing so many different emotions, God. As we think about the things in our life that are difficult to surrender to you. God, we think about the challenges we're facing, the suffering we're enduring, the things in our life that feel impossible. And God, I sense that your spirit this morning is beckoning us, that those are the very things that you want us to trust you with. And that many of us are not walking in this perfect peace that you offer to us because there's just something that we've been holding back. And so spirit, I ask that you would do your work in us. That you would give us faith and courage to come to you with open hands in faith and repentance and give you our trust. for no other reason except the fact that you are worthy and that you are able and that you love us more than we could ever imagine. And so Jesus, we come to you now. We ask that you would have your way and that we would receive your peace this morning in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.